on today's episode of the Digging In Podcast, we continue the book of Matthew. Welcome back to the Digging In Podcast. Everybody in the Digging In family, I hope that didn't just blow the speakers out of your car or your headphones, I guess, whichever one you're wearing. Sorry for that. Uh, I just pressed a button and uh, that's the noise that came out. So I guess you're welcome. I guess also sorry. But hey, welcome back to another episode of the Digging In Podcast Lessons From Series. We are continuing on in our story of the book of Matthew, the story of Jesus, the first of the four synoptic gospels. And if you guys remember from our last episode, I hoped I hit on it uh, enough. And if not, I'm going to hit on it even more today. But man, Matthew, the story of Jesus in the book of Matthew is the story of Old Testament fulfilling over 140 references to the Old Testament because Matthew is trying to tell us the reader, whether it be the original audience or even better sometimes the reader all the way today in 2021, that Jesus is the snake crushing Messiah King who was prophesied for all the way back in Genesis, all the way to now that he is the one. So it's not that this is the first moment that Jesus has ever popped up. He's been popping up all throughout the Old Testament ever since the beginning of time. And so super awesome story, super awesome moment. And we are continuing the story today, starting with chapter 10 and moving all the way to chapter 20. And what that means for all of us as we continue our reading is that we are going to jump through a massive section of Jesus's teaching and preaching ministry. We're going to see some healings and some other miracles uh, as well. But for the most part, a lot of this entire section 10 to 20, uh, chapters 10 to chapters 20 is a lot of Jesus's teaching ministry. Um, With that is a lot of his discipleship, uh, his examples of discipleship and what does discipleship even mean. And so we're going to talk about that today as well. But hey, before we do anything, anything at all, grab your Bible, your pen, and some paper, and let's dig in. Father God, thank you so much for setting aside time for us to focus on you. Uh, Yeah, God, I I believe that at some level you are the one who helps us to actually set aside that time because for the most part, we would not run to you if we didn't realize how badly we needed you. Uh, And in in that need, God, you, you grow our heart. As David prays in Psalm 119, for an enlarged heart, God, you do that for us. You make our heart bigger for you. For those of us who really, really, truly recognize our need for you, you make our heart bigger for you. So thank you for that, God. Thank you for that desire that's welling up within each of us. I ask that as we would spend time with you today reading through the book of Matthew, that you would open up our ears and our eyes and our hearts to actually hear, see, and know, and also love more about who you are in this story. God, everything you've done has been for your glory and for the good of your children. So God, help us to see those things today. Help us to learn, but also help us again to just fall deeper, deeper, deeper in love with you. We love you so much, God. In your name, amen. Awesome, guys. Welcome to Matthew chapter 10, man. Let's let's do a quick, a brief recap, man. One through nine. Chapters one through nine is a lot. There's so much stuff. There's stuff from answering prophecies to Jesus's, uh, you know, kind of early 
moments with Satan in chapter four. That's weird, right? That's really crazy. And then he calls some of his disciples and then he just starts teaching. I mean, like his early ministry, he's just teaching right off the back. So he gathers disciples and then he just starts teaching people. I mean, just absolutely insane to me. And then those last couple chapters, he really starts to kind of just hone in on these miracles. He's just like healing left and right. There's miracles here and there's a couple more teachings and some parables. And it's really kind of a, a, it's a shocking story because as far as we know, he was just born. Now, obviously some years pass in between his birth and his baptism, but then after his time in the desert, he, in the wilderness, he actually went straight into ministry. And so while uh, Luke gives us a little bit more accurate account of his childhood, this book seems to be focusing primarily on the idea of Jesus being the fulfillment of all Old Testament prophecy and the idea that he is teaching all of us what it means to be an actual Christian. That was seen with the Sermon on the Mount. And so we're going to continue in those patterns today as we move through chapters 10 through 20, and we're going to hit on a few things. But before we do any of that, why don't you guys stop what you're doing? Make sure that you've read one through nine, Matthew one through nine, but then go ahead and do Matthew 10 through 20. I know it's a lot of reading and some of you are like, why would we read so much? But again, we're doing a survey of the whole Bible, learning lessons from characters and stories and moments. And this is one of the opportunities that we have is to read through major sections. And so that's what you're going to do today is read chapters 10 through 20 and then join us back for some more discussion. So in this section, we're actually going to move kind of chapter by chapter because there's so much different stuff happening. I kind of want to hit on uh, as much of it as I can while still not trying to go over 25 minutes. So uh, kind of come along with me here and join in as we do something that seems pretty impossible to me. Uh, but we're going to go for it anyway. So 10-1, right? 10-1. If you guys actually are, are reading with us, then you know that right there at 10, it says the 12 apostles, right? The 12 apostles, the ones who, the, that word apostle, uh, we've talked about it before. The word apostle means the one who is sent out. So we normally call them disciples, but a disciple, just all that means is a follower, someone who follows. In fact, in the old Testament, uh, if there was ever a rabbi at all, any sort of rabbi, they had disciples, people who were learning from them and following their teachings. And so Jesus takes that concept of, of the old Jewish disciple and uh, kind of adds on to it a little bit. And it's not just the teachings, but it's actually the teachings and the way of life and the radically different style of life uh, is, is what Jesus is trying to do with his. And be, how he's kind of proving that difference is that now there's a new word on the table, which is this apostle. So not only are you one who learns from and follows, but you're now being one who takes what he now knows and then goes out to tell other people. And so in, in chapter 10, one, all the way through 11 one this is the calling uh, equipping the continual teaching of and the sending out of the disciples and so now they are apostles and what's funny is that uh, you you read the little if you guys have little sub headings or like little headings at each section you read that verse 5 right above it says Jesus sends out the 12 apostles he doesn't actually send them out until 11 1 in fact the next few areas after he um, calls them together verse uh, 10 verse 1 and then verse the rest of verse 1 is that he called them together and he gave them the authority over unclean spirits so that way he, they could cast 
cast them out. And then he also gave them the authority to heal every disease and every affliction. And then it names them, each of his 12 disciples. And then from there, then it says he sends them out, but really he doesn't actually send them out yet. In fact, he continues teaching from 10.5 all the way to the end of chapter 10. He's teaching them a few final instructions. Some of those instructions include, hey, uh, since you guys are going to be sent out in my name, you're going to be persecuted. Sorry, that's just, uh, just the way it is. I'm persecuted and I'm going to be persecuted until my last breath on earth. But because you're going to go in my name, you too will be persecuted. So that speaks to us even today, right? As those who are disciples and at some level are making other disciples, we are also at some level persecuted for our faith, whether they be really grand gestures of persecution that we see in the Middle East, um, you know, with, with people being killed for their faith, all the way to the smallest little rejections of faith. And so persecution is just part of the Christian lifestyle. In fact, he sends them out and the first thing he teaches them is that part of your life is going to be that you're going to be rejected. So interesting that he says, hey, human being, you're going to go out to be other human beings and teach them about me and my goodness and also the name of God and people are going to reject you. But guess what? You're going to, they're going to reject me and even you will reject me. And then he says, have no fear. Don't, don't be violent. Use peace in teaching and uh, there will be rewards for all of you for what you're doing. And that's what's crazy because uh, he's just saying, I need you to go out and teach, but there's something more to just the teaching. And you'll find that out. We'll, we'll see more of that later. Then we move to uh, chapter 11, where we see some messengers from John the Baptist. And um, John the Baptist has been arrested, and he's got some of his followers. Um, and John sends word saying to the followers, I need you guys, like, you need you guys to go follow Jesus. Like Jesus is the one that I was preparing the way for, so now go and follow him. And so um, in that uh, chapter 11, we see the famous verse, verses uh, 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you guys are looking for a, a, a new book to read, um, I'm just going to give a shout out to a book that's based on these verses right here. The book is called Gentle and Lowly. It's about the characteristics of God, specifically that God is not just this big, ginormous, wrathful, angry, but also powerful and mighty God that we always imagine him to be. But he's also exactly what Jesus says here, gentle and lowly. So for those of you who are struggling in your faith to find the true loving heart nature of God, the, the affectionate nature of God, then I would challenge you to check out this book called Gentle and Lowly, and I bet it'll change a lot of the ways that you view God for the best possible way. So check that out. Super awesome book. Uh, chapter 12 rolls in and Jesus is now going to start, like not start, he's going to continue obliterating all of these perceptions of Old Testament law and then give the proper and real uh, reasoning for these laws. So in 12, one through eight, he is called the Lord over the Sabbath because some people challenge him that he's working and doing things on the Sabbath day. And he says, you guys don't really understand what the point of the Sabbath uh, really is. 
And so he kind of shatters the dreams of some really uh, big brained people, the Pharisees. If you guys remember, if you guys remember, we talked about the Pharisees in the intertestamental episode. Uh, These Pharisees are not as awesome as the original Pharisees were. These guys are just self-righteous rule followers that say, if you're not going to live like me, then there's no way you believe in God. And so they're challenging Jesus because they're saying, hey, you don't, you're not doing what we do. If you don't do what we do, then you definitely don't believe in God. And so then he goes through and just continues to challenge them. He heals a guy in the synagogue on the Sabbath day as well. And that causes a whole bunch of issues. And uh, he is this beautiful. I mean, this is really a really, really cool section in 12, 15 through 21. You're going to see a section from Isaiah 42, one through three, which is one of the servant songs of Isaiah. And this is Jesus saying that he is the fulfillment. Read, listen to these words. This is uh, Matthew 12, 18 through 21. Behold, my servant whom I, ch- I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. And in the name, in his name, the Gentiles will hope. And so this begins his movement to not just preach to the people of uh, Judea, Jerusalem, uh, and, and the inner circles of people who believe, but he also is going to prepare a message for the Gentile nations, those who aren't already Jewish, but who are just random people, whether they, they be pagan or not, he's going to go out to them and preach this beautiful message. Uh, and then you're going to keep reading and he's going to start preaching in parables. Now he's going to start giving a, all kinds of stuff uh, starting in chapter 12 about just different types of parables and a parable. For those of you who don't know, a parable is this moralistic story at some level, but it's not just morals. It's also about faith, but it's a, it's a story that is presenting a larger meaning. And so the story seems to be one way, but the meaning while related to the story is personal and related to us. And so he's got the parable of the sower. He has, uh, the mustard seed and the leaven, the parable of hidden treasure, parable of the net, the pearl. I mean, all those things. And and he explains some of them and some of them he doesn't. The parable of the sower is 13, one all the way to 23. That is the actual parable itself, as well as Jesus's explanation of it. And what's also really interesting to know here is I didn't really mention it, but the disciples at this point in time have actually already come back and are are kind of joining him in a lot of these parables. And so his disciples are hearing these parables for their first time ever, and they are equally confused just as everyone else is. So even the people who closely follow Jesus at times can't exactly or completely understand his word, at least not until he opens their eyes to understand it. And so my challenge to you in that is, is to, you know, be humbled by the confusing and powerful nature of the word, but don't be discouraged by it. Although you may not understand at all times exactly what the Bible is saying. There are people, you know, way smarter than me. And that's my goal. And what I'm trying to do is help us understand the Bible more, especially context and, and, and purpose and reason. But there's people way smarter than me and who are actually way better at presenting than I am, who are available to you to talk with you or to, for you to listen to as they describe 
the, the words of Jesus because they've had their eyes opened to it. And, and through their explanations, you too might have your eyes actually opened to the words of scripture because not even the people who were even right there in face to face with Jesus had a hard time. So let's move on to uh, Matthew 14. Uh, John the Baptist has died. Uh, there's a whole really weird thing that happens in 1 through 12, chapter 14, 1 through 12. Really, really weird thing that happens um, as, as to how he's led to death. It's pretty tragic um, for the most part. But in 14, 13 through 21, we're going to read the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, a, a beautiful and amazing miracle of Jesus feeding, uh, although the food is not really there. And then it says, this is really, really interesting here. Word, word choice is really important. Chapter 22, immediately, this is right after the 5,000, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. So Jesus stays and dismisses the crowds while the disciples are using the diversion to get in the boat and go away. Um, and then he goes up by himself onto top of a mountain to pray. He was there alone for quite a while. And the disciples are just still sitting in a boat. They don't, I mean, they're going to the other side. Um, you know, so they're going from the area that they know, the area that they're from, and they're now going to go to the other side, which is Gentile territory. And on their way, a storm is a Bruin and it seems to be beaten up against the boat. And then Jesus comes walking out on the water to calm the storm, but also to walk out. And this is when Peter gets out of the boat and starts walking. Um, really crazy story. Really, really awesome. And Peter says, sorry, not just Peter, but all those in the boat worshiped him and said, truly you are the son of God. So we get one of the first proclamations that this guy that these guys are following, he's not just some, some rabbi, some teacher, he's the son of God. And they are starting to really, really understand that. Uh, in, in chapter 15, we get some more challenges to the, by the Pharisees and the scribes and Jesus steps in and begins to actually, you know, contradict what they're saying. He's like, Hey, I know that your words are that you're saying this because what you know about the law is this, but what I'm telling you is that I'm the fulfillment of the law and I'm giving you the proper definition. So they don't like that at all whatsoever because someone's telling them that they're wrong for the first time ever, probably. And that's, I mean, he's challenging what they've spent years learning and growing in. And he's saying, that's not really completely right. You're almost there, but you're not really completely right. Uh, and then we get some more healings and then we get Jesus feeding 4,000. So he fed 5,000. And now in uh, chapter 15, 32 through 39, he actually feeds 4,000. So all kinds of people getting fed by Jesus. And then in chapter 16, we see even more of the Pharisees and the Sadducees challenging him on, on more things. And Jesus continues to approach them, not in anger and in you know, frustration, but says, hey, uh, listen, you guys, you guys spent a lot of time studying this. <laughs> you guys spent a lot of time making sure that you knew the law and you knew the word of God. But what I'm telling you is that there's more to it than just exactly what you believe. And so he actually gives a little bit of, of parables to those people to help describe it. Some of them hear it, some of them don't. And then in 1613 through 20, we actually have a moment where Peter calls Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Christ. In this moment, Peter is connecting the dots from Genesis 3.15. He's actually connecting the dots saying, holy cow, this Jesus, this rabbi, this son of God, he is the snake crushing Messiah King. So, so in this moment, Peter in full faith and in a full like emotion, 
He actually believes that Jesus is the Messiah. So that's really, really awesome because he's going to mess up later. But right after that moment, this is crazy. Jesus actually tells them that he's going to die. He also tells them about the resurrection, but he tells me he's going to die. And that causes Peter, who just literally just said, no, you can't. I won't let this happen, basically. I'm not going to let this happen. You can't die. Um, And then he says, get behind me, Satan, (laughs) saying that Satan is within you, telling you um, to say and believe these things. But what I'm telling you is the truth. And then what we see is a really interesting chapter in 17. Chapter 17, it says, after six, actually, before I do that, I I was going to skip this or just blow by it, but I can't. Uh, This is another, a major teaching of Jesus. This is, remember back in Sermon on the Mount, I was telling you guys that this is um, Jesus explaining the life of the Christian, the Christian way to live life. And I told you that he's just breaking it down piece by piece. And this caused a lot of people to leave and people didn't like these teachings because they were hard. Here's another one for you. 16, 24 through 28, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will actually lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I mean, this is a teaching where he's saying, you're going to do every, you're going to risk everything and you're going to follow me. You're going to lay everything down. Then you're going to take up your cross, all of your burdens, all your problems. You're going to take it up. You're going to wear it just like I will. And you're going to follow me with everything you have. It's hard. That's a hard teaching. Leave everything behind and follow me, right? Just, it's a, it's a tough teaching. And then right after that, 17, one through 13 is perhaps some of the most confusing stuff in the whole Bible, but I'm going to, I'm going to make it make sense to you a little bit more. This is called the transfiguration. Uh, Matthew and Mark uh, teach about the transfiguration. I, I can't remember right now off the top of my head if Luke does or not, but the transfiguration is where he takes Peter, James, and John. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, his inner three within his small group of disciples. And he says, let's go up to the mountain together. And while they're up there, they see Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus. So they see Moses, right? The father of the, of the law, the one who was, I mean, the most important person in the old Testament for the most part. And he's talking to Jesus. And then you also see Elijah. If you guys, maybe you guys didn't read the end of Malachi, but the last words of Malachi, Malachi, God says, I'm going to send the prophet Elijah to come to you. And so this is that fulfilling that moment when Elijah comes and actually talks with Jesus. And it confirms the fact that Moses and Elijah are both talking to the Christ. And this is wild, but in um, verse 11, 17, 11, it says that he answered, Elijah does come and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come and they did not recognize him, but did, did to him whatever they pleased. So also the son of man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. And so he's connect, these disciples are going to get the dots connected uh, for them and starting to see this whole picture piece by piece. And then right after that, they come down and there's a crowd and the crowd comes up to him and Jesus heals another person. And then it goes through and does talks about some more parables. We get the parable of the lost sheep. Um, then we get some ideas of, of temptations to sin. And Jesus actually does a little bit of talking about what happens when a brother sins against you, which is some stuff from Leviticus. 
And then in 19, he, in uh, chapter 19, he starts off by talking about divorce again. So he did this in the Sermon on the Mount, but then he jumps back and breaks it down even more. And then he jumps from divorce to talking about children, having childlike faith. And then the story of the rich young man, which is one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible, because Jesus looked at this guy who was faithful to a T, who was, I mean, he followed all the laws, all the commandments. He knew the word of God. And yet his life, well, his life was, his life was tough in terms of how he dealt with things because he was young and he was rich. When the young man um, was sitting there talking to him, he says, how do I get to heaven? Jesus said, if you would be perfect, then you need to go and sell everything that you possess, all your riches, young man, give it to the poor and you will have a treasure in heaven. Your future will be much brighter than your current state. Just come and follow me. Just sell everything and come and follow me. And then the young man heard this and he walked away sorrowful for he had many possessions. And this is the heart of what Jesus is getting at is he doesn't care about what you have and even the current state of things. He just wants you to lovingly follow him. Give up everything and follow him. Let him give you the new life, the new rewards, the new future, and let him be the full and unimaginable hope. And then we get uh, chapter 20. And the reason I'm stopping at chapter 20 is because when we open up to chapter 21, Jesus is actually entering into Jerusalem. And so from about chapter 18 until 20 is the last sections of, of Jesus's teachings when he's outside of Jerusalem. So he's been kind of working his way out and then working his way back towards Jerusalem, teaching and preaching all along the way. And again, you guys should go and read chapters 10 through 20 to read all these teachings and read the words of Jesus, his, his love for such different types of people, even the people who challenge him. He still has love for them. He just challenges them in loving ways. And so right now, as we move through the story of Matthew, again, I'm not going to give a major lesson all throughout uh, this, these episodes. I'm going to give little mini ones all throughout. I hope you catch them. But the idea here is that Jesus is getting at the heart of his ministry. And the heart of his ministry has a lot less to do with following rules and regulations, but actually just loving him and spending time with him and letting his example and his teachings encourage us to live a new and different life. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Digging In Podcast Lessons From series. Join us next time as we finish up the book of Matthew with our last section, chapters 21 through 28.